start off this podcast this week. It's Sunday the 4th of October and welcome back to But Where Are You From? A podcast about British-born Chinese and East and Southeast Asian culture where I, Viv Yao, talk about everything to do with my life. Sometimes it's about being Chinese, sometimes it's just random rambles and that's what today's going to be because in all honesty, I have no creative juices flowing this week when it comes to the podcast. That's a horrible term as well. Um, My work is going really well and I feel like I have popped, not popped, I feel like I have channeled all my creative energy into work at the moment. And then when it comes to the weekend, I'm just extremely drained, just extremely drained from thinking, I think. I can't even string together a sentence right now. Lol. Welcome to the podcast. This is going to be entertaining. Um, Right, in all honesty though, I do feel like because work has picked up and when I first started this podcast, I had all the free time in the world and so I could put in a lot of thought and energy into the podcast, plan them in advance, really think about what I was going to say, jot down loads of ideas um, and I think I've hit a plateau where if I don't have guests on because guests are obviously brilliant for contributing to the conversation and adding more to the dialogue whereas when it's just me I feel a sense of dread sometimes whereas I used to really look forward to the podcast episodes when it was just me because I was in control of what I could talk about and now I'm just like shit 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 I have nothing to say which I think is okay as well let's normalize sometimes not having stuff to say and not feeling massively over opinionated about one thing or another i do think having said that i obviously do have thoughts still this week there's been lots of things that's been happening there have been three significant meetings that have happened this week that will change my life in some way and i sound really annoying because i feel like i'm one of those people where i'm very open with a lot of what i share and what i do and I always want to be as like transparent with what's going on. Um, two of them are work-related. No, actually, one of them is a work-related project. The other one is a campaigning-related project. And the third one is a personal project. <laughs> I want to call it project. <laughs> it's not a project. It's just a meeting that happened. So... There's been three significant things and I kind of want to document them because they can go either way. None of them are set in stone. None of them are guarantees of any sort of prospects at all. But I'm very, very excited. And now I sound so annoying because if I was listening to this podcast, I'd just be like, just tell us what it is. Tell us, stop being so annoying. And one of those people that's like, can't tell you but something really exciting happened as soon as i can reveal more i will um we're just waiting for the for the campaigning related project we are just waiting to hear back from certain people as to whether we can broadcast this and then with the work related project i can probably talk about that pretty soon um once we kind of get things going and and sign stuff and etc and then the personal one is a personal one and I want to just see where that takes me before we relay any more information because you just never know with these things. 
Another thought that I had recently was just reflecting back on the podcast episodes and especially thinking about topics to do with racism and Black Lives Matter and racism towards East and Southeast Asian people and just how angry I felt over the course of the past few months and how it was completely valid to feel angry at that time. Um, I think I was very, very upset and frustrated with a lot of things. And now I do feel like I've entered another stage where I've realised that in order to be an activist or in order to talk about these types of subjects and to really make some change, then we have to be very mindful of not alienating people along the way and not excluding any type of person from the conversation. And having had some personal discussions with some very close friends, um, I realised that along the way I probably have done that inadvertently whilst on my journey of anti-racism and I think that's completely okay and it's a learning process for everyone and it's really really important to have those discussions as uncomfortable as they are because they always are they're never easy to talk about I've certainly learned that we need the voices of everyone we need everyone to be included and I think being angry whilst it's a very clean emotion it's very um you can shame people into doing a lot of things through anger and through upset and frustration that can get you to a certain point and now I think I'm now at that stage where I'm trying to consider the next phase now so how can I be more mindful of bringing everyone in and inviting people into the discussion so they don't feel alienated or not part of the conversation in any way. And that's really tricky to navigate. So I do apologise if it has made any person feel any type of way that didn't feel like it was productive or felt like it was detrimental to them. And I think I don't apologise for my actions at all. I apologise for the impact of how that could have come across um, because I think having discussed this with certain people, I certainly am very mindful of the fact that like this podcast is such a small space, it's such a safe space for me to talk about things. So I can rent and vent, no, rent and vent. <laughs> I can vent and rant about things and it has really very little repercussions in terms of like how I choose to deal with it thereafter whereas like I sometimes have forgotten that it's going out to people and that words have impact and so we need to be very mindful of that and I never want to make anyone feel just upset or anything because that's not my intention um and I think with us being humans we have a lot of contradictions I think I'm a very contradicting person in a lot of ways like sometimes I love reading books about feminism or about being Asian or um, by black authors. Equally, I love watching reality TV shows like Below Deck, where it's all about these um, really privileged people who um, sail in a yacht and work in a yacht, which is actually, it's just a really great reality TV show. I'm not even trying to dress it up in any type of way. It's just a trashy, good TV show to watch when you want to 
stick it on in the background and switch off and that's exactly what I've been doing and we're full of contradictions and I think this comes into trying to be anti-racist as well because sometimes I say things like you have to call it out when you see certain situations and then actually it's not as simple as that because you have to also read the context of a lot of situations um, and sometimes the context allows you to decide for yourself I actually don't want to call it out because at this stage I know it's going to be more detrimental to the relationship and for my own self-preservation sake I don't want to put that person in a position or me in a position of vulnerability Um, and so I think it is about understanding those nuances and that it is fluid and your mind can change at any point and that is also all right like we we don't need to just say okay we're doing one thing now and we're going to stick to this channel and this course for the rest of our lives we can always change our minds at any point and I'm not saying that we change our minds about how to be better anti-racist I'm saying change your minds about how we approach things and also choosing to put yourself first in any situation choosing to self-preservate and practice self-care in whatever sense that might may be so that might be you watching reality tv or going for a walk or deciding to I don't know what else do I like to do in my spare time take yourself out for a day and go shopping (laughs) yes I'm a basic bitch and that's what I like to do I like to go to TK Maxx buy myself a nice candle for my room and I'm set pretty much and that all counts towards activism and anti-racism like all those things where you are contributing back to yourself and making yourself just feel better can only work better for yourself when it comes to having those discussions because you need to energize yourself in order to be able to make any change and I've certainly learned that the hard way like at the start of this journey um I felt burnt out because I was angry all the time and upset and I realized that I got the fatigue I got the activism fatigue that I've read about and it's not helpful for anyone and I think definitely being part of the scene and having five women who are just incredible and we speak every single day we have been really leaning on each other when it comes to our emotional turmoil in this journey and how sometimes it can really take it out of you like I am so grateful to anyone who tags me in posts to do with kind of how the media have been depicting us in uh, coronavirus related media uh, or on Twitter. Uh, But sometimes like uh, it gets a bit much for me. Like I am not desensitized to these types of imagery. Like I know I raised it. And so I therefore also have a sense of responsibility. But sometimes I'm just tagged in stuff and I open it because I don't have notifications on my phone. So I don't know what I'm opening or what message uh, comes up. And then I open the message and then I'm like, oh, great, this has ruined my day. Fantastic. And I think I have been trying to get better at that as well in terms of trigger warnings. And I posted about this on Instagram recently and I said that I'm going to try to be better at... Uh, allowing people the opportunity to tap out when they see something that could be potentially triggering and you don't know what people's triggers might be it might be something really small but I think it's just being really mindful of that as well and just trying to always consider whether this post that you're sending to someone or tagging someone in could potentially trigger them and that's something that I um, am learning as I go along to do that across social media which I think is truly important I also 
posted on Instagram where I did a day in the life, which actually prompted a lot of response from people, a lot of intrigue from people in terms of my day job and what I actually do. Um, and I think I probably wanted to do a proper podcast to talk about what I do because I've realised actually since I've been meeting quite a few people and explaining what I do, a lot of people actually still don't know what influence marketing is um, and it'd be quite... I think just interesting for people perhaps just to hear about this industry because it's so new and see what people think about it and how it works and I posted about it on Instagram and there was one point where I talked about because I was talking about how like you know we're doing lots of pitches we've won this business we worked on really cool campaigns and then I was like this is actually really unfair because it depicts a side of my life which is going very well but then there is always a cost. There is always a cost to these types of things. And I never want anyone to be under the illusion that like being a business owner is glamorous because it's truly not. Like I don't feel like my life is glamorous in the slightest. Um, I certainly feel grateful and I certainly feel a lot of privilege and I love what I do, but equally it's not it's not that exciting half the time and my personal life sometimes suffers because of it, especially during very busy periods. For example, my bedding needs washing once a week. I sometimes leave it up to 10 days because I feel like I'm so busy that I don't even have time to do my own chores. And thank God that I've been living at home for the past year whilst it's been busy because my mum has truly been incredible in terms of cooking for me every single day breakfast no not breakfast actually lunch and dinner she cooks for me sometimes breakfast if I say to her I'm really busy I don't have time and she will do but I barely ask her um she'll leave food for me after when I get in from the office she cleans the entire house I clean my own bedroom and my own bathroom but in terms of the entire house she cleans the entire house um I do my own washing (laughs) I feel like I'm trying to justify why I'm being an adult but um I do do my own washing but in terms of kind of like just running a household all those things like the bills and all that kind of stuff my mum just sorts out and then I obviously pay her um rent which again very minimal board rent and I'm so lucky and grateful for that because she really wants me to save up um when I move into my new flat which is happening at the end of this month hopefully Um, yeah, so my personal life, my adult life in terms of, um, what I do in my day-to-day chores is terrible. So basically I am not, I am a child. I am a child at home and I'm very aware of this. And I have had obviously my fair share of living out and being independent, like living in London and, um, living away in Manchester so I definitely know how to be independent but it's there's something weird about going home which makes you revert into a childlike mode and I've definitely assumed that with my mum where I've taken on that kind of like helpless I don't know how to cook I don't know how to clean how did I live how did I live beforehand because I definitely knew how to do all those things because I had to So when it comes to cooking, I definitely need to get better at cooking and I'm going to 
I think I'm going to buy myself an air fryer. I think it's going to happen. It's changed my life. So Shu, who is Deja Zhu on Instagram, she's a British-born Chinese vlogger, food and travel vlogger. She um, is in love with her air fryer and I've seen her post loads of recipes about her air fryer. And now I understand because I've been using it recently and it's been so useful for cooking my lunches. So I get an hour for lunch usually, or I usually take an hour for lunch. And I made sweet potato fries in the air fryer and it took me 10 minutes. 10 minutes! Think about how long it takes to make sweet potato fries in the oven. It takes how long? 35 minimum? 10 minutes. And they were cooked all the way through. They were crispy on top and they're so much healthier because you don't have to put oil on them. It's brilliant. So we have a Philips one, if anyone else is wondering. And it has completely revolutionised how I think about cooking because it just takes the time out of it. So when I live by myself, I think it's gonna be really useful. Um, and I also, I'm gonna consider buying one of those meal box recipes. The only thing is, I feel like the recipes are sometimes so boring. I don't know, I don't know. Like, is it gonna have enough flavor for me? Is it gonna be spicy enough? Is it gonna have lots of Asian flavors? Or is it going to be boring and am I going to be disappointed? If anyone actually does any HelloFresh or Gusto boxes as a single person household, please let me know. So I wanted to make that very clear that whilst there's certain areas of your life that could be doing amazingly well, you could be succeeding so well and thriving in an area of your life, there's always going to be areas that are slacking because you can't be here than everywhere like yes you can have it all but then you you can have it all in different quantities my work life is incredible my love life sucks my my home situation is what it is my exercising hasn't been as great as it was because I feel so busy um but I need to make time for that and I might actually do that later today so there's always going to be areas of your life that are just like oh could be better could be better but Alas, we're not going to vilify ourselves for it because we have to realise that we are just one person and we can't seem to be doing it all. Like, I certainly feel like when I go on Instagram and I see people who are like on their fitness journey or cooking really nice food, I'm like, but how do they have the time? Because I feel like I'm just always here working away. And then I realise that they might have other priorities in life. They might have a job which is like, I don't know, part-time, nine to five. They can put time into doing other things. Whereas I put all my time doing into one thing and so other things suffer. So let's not be cruel to ourselves when it comes to comparison because it's so easily done, so easily done. I also watched Monsoon the other day, which is about an interracial queer relationship, which is based in Vietnam and it's played, the leading actor is Henry Golding and Patrick Sawyer. And it's directed by Hong Kao. And it's basically about a Henry Golding who travels back, he's a British born, he's meant to play a British born Vietnamese person. Actually, he's a British born, no. He lived in Vietnam up until he was six years old and then he went back to Vietnam. Um, and it's about basically, do you know what? I actually don't know. I didn't love the film. I wasn't enraptured by it. The, the acting was so boring. The best bits were the sex scenes, if I'm being honest. I just didn't love it. Maybe I'm not artsy enough. Maybe I just don't have 
the skill to <laughs> be heartsy. But it brought up a lot of discussions when it came to the casting because there's been a few Vietnamese people who have, I don't want to speak for anyone, but basically their sentiment is that they feel like the casting could have been more authentic because Henry Golding is a mixed Malaysian person and they wrote into the storyline the fact that he couldn't speak Vietnamese. Whereas if they had casted someone who was Vietnamese, we wouldn't have had those issues, etc. And that even the director himself, like I think he was a, I think he grew up in Vietnam. I think he's Cambodian, but he grew up in Vietnam. And there's been talks about why have we focused on Vietnam? Was it necessary or could it have been a lovely interracial uh, queer story? And did it need to have Vietnam in as a backdrop? So, yeah, let me know if anyone has seen it. I just didn't feel like it was enthralling in any way. I I felt very, it was very slow paced. The scripting wasn't the best. The acting wasn't that great, I'm sorry to say, because I do very much enjoy Henry Golding uh, from Crazy Rich Asians, but this film just didn't do it for me. Didn't do it for me. Let me know what you think. Also, I've set up a coffee.com page. So basically, if you want to support the podcast and me for the price of an oat milk latte, then feel free to buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash it's with you. And lastly, I want to talk about dating because I feel like recently it's been a bit of a not a wild ride because that that implies that stuff has happened (laughs) which it hasn't um though there has been a couple of instances where it's made me have to question is this fetishization or is this appreciation so i was speaking to someone on a dating app we met on a chinese dating app and he was non-asian and he has spent some time in china studying and had to come back uh, because of coronavirus i think and we were talking and he mentioned how he met this girl in China and they really hit it off, but then he had to end the relationship because he came back here. Um, and so we were we were meant to be meeting up, or actually, did we even arrange that? No, we arranged a video call, first of all. And then he basically sent me a very long voice note saying that him and his girlfriend are getting back together and she's coming all the way from China to the UK to, um, I don't know, start their life together, I guess, which obviously totally cool about, but I was just thinking, God, of all times that I want Corona to work in my favor, like how is she flying over from China? Like, isn't that really difficult at the moment? But anyway, that's not the point. The point is the fact that he had studied Chinese and he understands the culture, has lived there, um, has Chinese friends and but he dates Asian girls and that seems to be the trend. Is that bordering on fetishization or is it appreciation because he understands the culture? And I think like when you think about fetishization, it's when someone puts on you certain stereotypes that they've upheld um without knowing you and negative connotations such as you being submissive docile or whatever but then appreciation is 
you know these things about the culture you you have spent time learning about it and but then you still have an inclination for a certain ethnicity so what is it then what is it so we were i was very confused about this and i still am and i feel like it's not there's no like hard straight line that distinguishes the differences unless it's like overtly like yeah i love asian girls because they're small and have tight <laughs> God. have uh, you know you know what i'm trying to say with that and, and they're gonna cook me cook me meals all the time and they're gonna be really really sweet and submissive constantly that is like overtly fetishizing asian women but when it's like okay so you've understood the culture and you you know what we're about what's that what is that I don't know. And I actually met someone recently and I was speaking to this person about it and how I feel about the subject because for me it is a big deal breaker why I ask that person, have you dated Asian women before? And if it's like, yes, my ex-girlfriend was also Asian, the one before that, blah, 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 blah. Then I'm like, okay, interesting. There seems to be a pattern forming here. And this person was playing devil's advocate, which by the way, I hate that term. I, I will never say that term anymore because I just feel like people put that in there just to piss people off. They said, playing devil's advocate, what if this person treated you really well, made you really happy and it didn't really matter? And I was like, okay, that's really interesting. I, I wouldn't discount it, but I don't feel like I would have let it get to that stage if I had known up front that this person has dated exclusively nothing but Asian women, I really don't think I would have let let it get to that stage of even giving them a chance. Um, which, you know, that might be me being ignorant and narrow-minded, but I just think from my own personal experience that I couldn't see it being a... Um... Yeah, because they, they would have started off the dating process just knowing or assuming a lot of things so I don't think I would have even let it get to that stage if I'm honest yeah and then recently I had a situation where so a guy asked me out on a dating app and I said to him yeah cool no worries just let you know I don't drink it's no big deal or anything I just don't drink and I don't did I mention why yes I told him that I uh, feel I'm intolerant to alcohol I feel ill when I drink and so that's why I don't do it that much and I mentioned that it was like hyperbolic because sometimes I do on the odd occasion, um, but not that often. And then I got the longest response back from this person, basically explaining why he couldn't go on this date with me because he sees it as being potentially an issue that I don't drink. And he started saying that, you know, like I'm looking for a relationship. So I really want to be able to share that experience of like drinking wine because I love wine. So I'd like to be able to do things like go on a vineyard trip together, um, go on holiday and crack open a bottle of wine, um, drink wine on the weekends on a Sunday evening. <laughs> like he started naming all these scenarios where he might drink wine with his hypothetical girlfriend. <laughs> and... I was just like, fair enough. Like, at least you were honest about it. You didn't ghost me. But equally, I was like, whoa, whoa. Like, you didn't need to explain this so much. And it was just so, so interesting because I don't, I wouldn't discount someone for drinking because I know that's my own, that's my own issue. And I don't 
care if they drink as long as they're healthy about it and it's done in healthy quantities um, I'm, I really don't mind at all it's literally the fact that I can't drink I can't do it because most of the time it makes me feel shit and so it's really not about them it's about me and I want to go to vineyards I I think they're beautiful I would have loved to experience a vineyard can you not go to a vineyard and just like I don't know like squash grapes with your feet I want to do that and I might have a sip of wine that's okay like would that detract from your experience that you couldn't drink that wine with me I don't understand I'm so confused like I've done like um beer tours before as well I've been to the Heineken Museum in Amsterdam twice loved it it was great I didn't drink both times I had a sip of beer and that was enough for me and I gave it to the other person that I was with and I was completely okay with that. The museum was fantastic. In fact, I really, really recommend people who travel to Amsterdam in the future, maybe next year, to um, experience the Heineken Museum because it truly is one of the best museums I've ever visited. So I just, I don't understand that logic, if I'm honest. And I do appreciate that for a lot of people. Alcohol is a big thing, especially in British culture. Alcohol is a very, very central discussion point. Like, even if you look at things like gifts for people or cards for people, alcohol seems to be the main focus. And you don't notice this until you're outside of that bubble and you're like looking for a present for someone who doesn't drink or someone is getting a present for you. Like, what do you buy someone who doesn't drink? It's it's the default, isn't it? I understand it. I do totally understand. But I just feel like it wouldn't have been a deal breaker for me to be with someone who doesn't drink. But maybe that's just me. But I just found that quite funny. And then... I also had a situation last week where, so the last guy that I I dated, and again, we only dated for about, I'd say six weeks, but for two of those weeks, I didn't see him. So I'd say about four, we only went on about four dates. I don't think it was that many, maybe five, I can't remember. Anyway, so it got intense pretty quickly on his part and he was very, very emotionally needy and treated me or wanted to treat me like his therapist and it got to that point where I was just like nope goodbye you are not using me as your therapist you have one already please use them and please stop treating me like I'm just a dumping ground for your emotions and this person was very well intentioned wouldn't ever harm anyone and I don't think this person even realized that they were doing that So I I wish this person well, I really truly do. However, they have very little self-awareness when it comes to how their actions affect other people. And he messaged me very recently because we we just completely stopped talking. So I ended it with him and completely stopped talking. And he messaged me. I do feel like this is men over lockdown feeling a certain way <laughs> messaged me basically saying hey I've been thinking about you tonight ew firstly ew and he sent me that message at like 11 p.m just want to let you know that I've been meaning to send you something um for the past few months so expect something in the mail and I'm like no please do not send me anything I don't want whatever it is you have to send me give it to someone else I don't care what it is I don't want it and then he said if you want to if you want to reply back, that's cool. If not, that's cool as well. So I read it and then instantly started screenshotting it to my friends <laughs> and family. And I was like, look, look who's back. This guy. And 
obviously this person saw that I was online. So I've taken off my last scene and I've taken off my blue tick red because I just feel like it's really helped my uh, <laughs> managing my own kind of like having to get back to people because I'm just terrible at that sometimes. And so he's seen that on, on, I was online. 13 minutes later, he replied back with, hey Viv, you okay? Kiss, kiss. He didn't even give me a chance. Even if I had considered to reply back to him, he thought that it was appropriate to say, oh, yeah, it's okay if you don't reply, but I'm going to check that you're online and I'm going to wait and then I'm going to ask you whether you're okay to try and elicit some kind of conversation with you. No, no. That means you wanted a reply in the first place and you weren't reaching out just to check that, like just to check in and let me know that you were sending me something and that you were thinking of me. Like, no, it's just typical, typical fuckboy behaviour, I have to say. Like, that type of behaviour. Like, oh, I'm feeling lonely over lockdown. Who can I reach out to? Nope, not for that. You need to focus on yourself. Get yourself in a place where you're happy with who you are. And that's it. You don't need to reach out to people that you've dated in the past when you clearly know that they're not interested anymore. Because I'm not going there... <laughs> I'm not going there. I doubt he listens to the podcast um, because I don't think he has social media. But if you are, you know you overstepped my boundaries and you need to back off. Back off. So that's my dating life in a nutshell, to be honest. So yeah, here's hoping that I bump into the love of my life at some point. Who knows? So in terms of what else I had on my mind this week. I was listening to Michaela Loach and Joe Becker's podcast, The Yikes Podcast, which is brilliant. They talk a lot about anti-racism, environmentalism, mental health, and how it all interlinks and intersects. And they're brilliant at bringing it in a very accessible way. So they were talking a lot about how we normalize so many microaggressions and so many jokes to do with um, racism and how I have normalised those for so long, and at what expense, like at what stage do you go, actually, this isn't okay? Because you were the one that set that boundary. Like, I certainly know that with some friends, like they would make jokes at my expense, and I would just take it because I wanted to assimilate and fit in and, and feel like I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable, but that was always at my expense. And now that I certainly have set boundaries for myself, I do wonder like how do we get out of that especially when it comes to friends that you're close to or you've known for a long time and that's how it's always been how do you then step away from that and you go okay actually I just wanted to address this with you I know that you said these things in the past and I've laughed along but now I don't think they're okay how is that going to change the course of that relationship but I realise that that's actually really important and it's integral that we actually set those boundaries because if we normalise jokes, then we normalise racism. And if we normalise racism, then we normalise it in the media and then we normalise it in the media and it perpetuates the idea that we're all the same and then it causes chaos and with chaos comes violence. And I know that sounds so far-fetched, but that's that's the thick of it. That's what happens there is actually a diagram about this. I wish I... Oh, it's like a triangle. And it talks about this pyramid of these behaviours that actually exacerbate into something a lot bigger. And I need to know what it is. 
I'll, I'll follow up with that because I know my Anne, um, my friend who is part of Be Seen, has talked about this in the past. So I, I'm trying really hard now to be very mindful of when someone makes a joke and whose expense is it at? Is it at the expense of me or someone else who might be from a marginalised background? And how do we stop that in a way that is constructive and also firm at the same time? Because you don't want to be in a position where, you know, the, the, my trigger word is sensitive. Like someone calling me sensitive is my absolute trigger word. And I hate that. And I've reclaimed it in a lot of ways. And I do proudly say that I'm very sensitive and that actually allows me to be a very empathetic person. It allows me to be better at my job. It allows me to be a better boss and employee. It allows me to be a better person, a better friend, because I'm able to understand people's emotions a lot more because I am sensitive. But then when people call you sensitive, when you react to something, what is the retort back from that what do you say back to someone who says to you oh stop it you're just being sensitive and one thing that I learned from my therapist is just to go yeah I am and I don't like it so please can you stop and if they respect you enough as a person friend whoever whoever they may be then they should take that on board and they should realize that it's an actual issue and listen to you just listen to you and be like okay I'm really sorry um, and move on from it because you can still make jokes you can still have so much banter and so much fun with people without it being at the detriment of them or other people I, I truly believe that like I've certainly learned this like I've made fat phobic jokes I've made jokes about other ethnicities my own ethnicity I have made so many inappropriate jokes and now I realize that you don't need to do that and you have to be very cognizant of that that it's not helpful towards this thing that we're trying to combat which is systemic racism it's not helpful and something as small as a casual joke is actually still contributing to the issue so definitely listen to the yikes podcast where they talk about this a lot more eloquently than i do and now we're gonna end it on how asian are you right so please please submit any any thoughts that you have on this segment do we need to change it up do we need a new segment i was thinking about doing instead asian of the week and then basically having spotlighting a different asian person and you can read more about them on be seen for example because we do have a spotlight section on the be seen website where we spotlight different east and southeast asian people from britain so i might consider changing it because i honestly dread this segment now because i feel like i'm grasping at straws i am literally googling how Chinese are you quizzes, how Asian are you quizzes, and asking people to contribute because I can't think of any more. I have run out of the stereotypes. I've run out of the tropes. So these five questions, I might have asked them before. I cannot remember. If I have, call me out on it because honestly, I am done with this segment. (laughs) 
<laughs> it sounds really terrible, but I am. And I, I need to let myself be more creative as well. I need to, and I don't want to confine myself to just this one segment. If I feel like I'm done, then I'm done. I'm very happy to drop stuff and try new things. I really am. So if you have any more suggestions, please let me know. So question number one, let's get to it, shall we? Did you drink Yakult growing up? Yes, I did, Viv. Wow, you get a point. Wow, well done. Revolutionary. You drank Yakult. That's brilliant. I mean, did any white people drink Yakult growing up? I'm quite interested to know that. Or non-Asian people. Did you drink Yakult or was it Actimel? Oh, Actimel's disgusting. Question number two. Do you or did you have a foot massager or back massager or any type of massaging device? Yeah, we had a foot massager and we still do have a full-on back massager, like a full chair, uh, which my mum bought for my dad and it still works. I used to play classical music. I used to have a, like the CD ROM section, but that bit doesn't work anymore, but it still works perfectly and we love it. I use it every week. Question number three. I feel like I've said this before because it's such an obvious one. Did you use to wrap up your remote controls in cling film? So yes, we did this for a while and then for some reason, my mum just stopped. The, the cling film just stopped one day and I don't know why. Maybe because there's less remotes required now. Like we only have one that we use, but there's just no more remote controls that are wrapped in plastic anymore. So I don't get a point for that actually. Um... Question number four, do you have six degrees of separation to a member of the triad? <laughs> we do. I remember I was in a situation once where someone in our family, their boyfriend cheated on them. And so one of our cousins was like, do you need me to sort them out? Because we know people. And that's all we needed to know. All we needed to know, we know people means triads. It's comforting in a way to know that. If I ever need to sort someone out, I could just, I could just ask that member of the family to ask the other people who would then go and sort it out. And I'm sure it comes at a price. I'm sure it does. But isn't that comforting to know? <laughs> oh man, I feel like I'm going crazy. Question number five. Do you play badminton? I don't actually. My parents tried to get me into it. They used to go to badminton club all the time. Um, when we were younger, yeah. I actually did play it with my cousins for a while, but very, very recreationally and never to a level where I thought I was any good. I mean, it was very hit and miss, excuse the pun. So no, I don't. But I'm sure there are many people on here that do. Please let me know. I got three out of five and I am really definitely, I'm feeling like this is going to be the last How Asian Are You segment because I can't deal with having to think about the questions. Uh, my apologies to anyone who loves this segment. I know that people do look forward to it, but I also wonder, is it going to get to a stage where it's problematic? Is it? Who knows? And I think we're going to end it here. It's Sunday. The podcast is meant to go live on Sundays now. I need to edit this. I also want to go outside because it's so lovely and it's meant to be raining for the rest of the week. So I'm going to say sayonara, toigin, avradechi, au revoir. How do I say goodbye in German? Dank, no, bitteschön, no, danke. Oh, oh, guten tag. Or tag tag. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, see you later and see you on the next episode. Bye.